Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good, good. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Brock, and I, we're, we're so glad that you're here this morning with us. Um, yeah, if it's your first time and you didn't receive a Connect card, don't worry. We have them at the info bar as well outside, so you can just meet us there and fill one out there and, and get your stuff um, if all you want is a mug. That's okay. Go get one. We, we would love to give, give that away for you. That's why we bought them. So, yeah, but we are in part eight of our Bible stories series. And this is a sermon series where we're just walking through some of the parables that Jesus told. And what a parable is, it's a, it's a story uh, that, that someone would tell where they're teaching a lesson through the story in which you can apply to your life. And so they're really practical stories that Jesus told. Um, to be honest, sometimes I feel like a lot of them have very similar implications, but very different narratives. So to be real, I've been reading these and writing these, and sometimes I feel like I'm writing the same sermon over and over again. But um, I'm just trusting that that's because God wants to speak that to us over and over again because we need it. Um, and so... Maybe I'm the only one that feels redundant, so I apologize if it does feel redundant, but the narrative changes, so there's that, right? Right, okay. You guys can wake up a little bit, too. We're loosen up. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just take a breath. I don't know. I feel like God wants to do something this morning. Um, the greatest thing that we can do is just prepare our hearts to receive from him. And so we do that just by being open and being ready to receive from him. So as I, as I pray in just a moment here, I just want us to take a breath, take, let, let, let out that sigh, and be ready because God's word can change your life in an instant. I believe that fully. Um, I believe God can speak something over your life today that, that will completely uh, change the trajectory of your future. And it can be a catalyst that you look back at and be like, that was the day where God changed everything. Not because of the power of my words, listen, but because of the power of God's word. It can change us if our hearts are ready. And so as I pray, after I read our verse, um, I just want our hearts to be ready this morning to receive, to be transformed, to be renewed by Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, we're at uh, Matthew chapter 20, and we're looking at verses 1 through 16. So if you want to turn there, you can. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Um, it says this, For the kingdom of, of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. I love that. That's like, duh. Um, he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon 
came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have, been, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Let's pray. Jesus, we just look to you this morning. Whatever we walked in here carrying the burdens, the stresses, the anxiety, the worries of life, God, we just take a moment and we lay it down at your feet. Lord, I just pray that you, you open our hearts, you open our ears this morning to hear and to receive your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak through me, that it's not my words, but it's your words, because my words don't change life, but your presence does. God, so we just pray for an unleashing of your spirit, an unleashing of your presence over us this morning so that we can leave and not ever be the same. We thank you that, that you've given us freedom, that you've given us peace, You've given us joy, Lord, and so this morning we lay down everything that hinders those gifts that you've given us. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. So the first time, I'm going to be honest, the first time that I read this parable as I was preparing, I was like, well, I don't know like how this can really help us. <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't know, I read it and I was like, this isn't doing anything for me. And so I kind of had to wait and, and reread it a few times. And um, God started highlighting a few things to me that stuck out about this that I started to get excited about. Um, and that's how I write my messages. I just think about everything that it could possibly mean. And then the one that kind of uh, flips a switch in my heart, I follow that. And so God laid a few things on my heart from this um, for us this morning. And so I encourage us again, let's lean in and let's, let's receive from him because I think he has something specific to speak to each and every one of us in this room. Um, so the narrative goes, as we just read, there, there was a vineyard owner and he had some work that needed to be done, pressing grapes and such in his vineyard as they do something like that. I don't know. I didn't own or run a, a vineyard in Bible times, so I can't personally tell you exactly what the workload was or what it looked like. But I imagine it had something to do with grapes, right? We're all on the same page? Okay. Um, so he had, he had work that needed to be done in his vineyard, something to do with grapes, and he needed more workers to work. And so what does he do? He goes out and he hires people. And then the, uh, the next day or something, he goes back out at 9 in the morning, um, or the same day, maybe at 9, maybe I missed something and I read it too fast, but at 9 in the morning, he goes back out, he hires more people, then at noon, then at 3, then at 5. Um, and they work all day, 
And then at the very end, they all get paid the same. Now, when I first read it, I was like, I was on the side of the people that started working at the beginning. I was, I was seeing how they saw it, and I was a little annoyed because if I worked all day, for example, when I was in high school, this is, you can all pity me and give me a hug later. I worked at McDonald's when I was in high school. And it was awful. And so if I would have worked, uh, their work days typically started at 6 in the morning and ended at 6 at night. And so if I'm working a 12-hour day flipping burgers with grease spitting up all over me, smell, I just, you reek when you leave that place. It's disgusting. Um, if I'm working there all day and then some chump comes in at the end of the day, works one hour, makes one McChicken, and gets paid the same as me all day, I would be a little bit upset too. So I get where they're coming from, but the beauty of it is it shows that our human emotions and our human feelings don't, aren't really adequate when it comes to the kingdom of God. So the way that we process things from our earthly point of view and our human point of view doesn't always translate into the kingdom, and God almost flips the way that we think on its head all the time. And so from this, he shows that there's actually the people that worked the longest didn't have a reason to be mad. They actually were at an advantage. Um, because in my opinion, point number one is this. It's better to be overworked than overworried. Now, I don't know if overworried like that is an actual word, but for the sake of my preaching, please. It's better to be overworked than overworried. And so the ones that were hired all day long, they were actually at an advantage because they had a job. And I think a lot of times, for me, from my perspective, I know not all of us in this place have been following Jesus as long as I have. Some have been following him way longer. Some it's way less. And so we're all kind of at a different place. But from where I'm at, um, and so I don't want to speak for you, but where I'm at, sometimes, honestly, and maybe you feel this way if you've been following him for a while, too, and you're being honest. Um, I, I think about it from my perspective, and I think about people that are going to come to Jesus at the last moments of their lives. And my first reaction is, that's not fair. Like, I've been struggling I think as Christians, we think this a lot. I, I surrender this early on, so don't get too worried about your pastor. But sometimes like I, I start to think, what am I struggling for? If I could just go off and do whatever, live however I wanted, and not have any responsibility for the kingdom of God, not serve God, not be obedient, not show up, not sacrifice to, to follow his will, and then at the last second be like, okay, God, I'm ready, and just give my life over to him and get the same thing. I'm like, that, that's not, that's not fair. Doesn't it make more sense then to just live however I want and be selfish with my time and selfish with my life and do whatever I want? Because God's going to let me in if he let these other people in. Um, 
So at first it feels like we're at a disadvantage, but really, if you follow Jesus or the people that were hired had the greatest advantage because they had peace. Because they had a job. The people that weren't hired were just wandering around in the marketplace wondering if they were going to feed their family that night. Wondering, how, can I, how is this going to happen? It's getting later and later and later and later, and I'm getting more worried and more worried and more worried. And they were just standing there, probably freaking out on the inside, just sick with worry, wondering, how is this going to work out? They didn't have any purpose. They didn't have any peace. But the people that were working, yes, they worked harder, but they worried way less. They didn't have anything to worry about because they had a job to do. They were working. They were occupied, and they knew that at the end of the day, I'm getting paid. And so if you've been following Jesus for a while, I want to encourage us. Let's keep going and keep following him because we can know and have the peace that to, to know that at the end of the day, I'm getting paid. See, if we view our current circumstance, and if we view the whole scope of our life from an eternal perspective, that's how we live in peace. Anytime I start to lose my peace, I, I, I remember that I get to spend eternity with Jesus. Do you remember what it was like before you gave your life to Jesus and you had no purpose, no joy, and you went from thing to thing to thing, from person to person to person, on this endless cycle looking for something to fulfill you, and nothing ever worked. That was not very peaceful, and you didn't know where you were going to end up. There is no peace in that. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I had the peace of mind to know I know where I'm going, and I know what I'm doing here on earth. And so I would rather work hard and be stressed and have the weight of building the kingdom than have no idea what I'm doing or where I'm going. I would la rather live with too much work, feeling maybe overwhelmed by the amount of work that I have on my plate than worrying about my, my soul and where I'm going to end up for eternity. We have, if you're following Jesus and you think it's unfair for the people that start to at the last second, no, 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 no. We have the advantage. I've heard... This a lot growing up, it was really weird to me every time, even when I was even more immature than I am right now. Um, people would say that have been following Jesus for a long time or their whole life. A lot of people in youth groups said this too, which don't, stuff that other youth students say, don't take that to heart. Um, I did youth, I was a youth pastor for four years. Anyway, that's a side note. Um, people would say like, Man, I wish I had a testimony. I wish I would have, you know, went off the rails and came back to Jesus. That way I would have something to say. And I'm like, what? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, you wish that you messed your life up instead of being grateful for what God's done for you and where he's led you. Let's be grateful that we have something to do. So when I get overwhelmed as a church planter, which is often, especially because I'm 27, and I don't know what I'm doing, 
so every day I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I remind myself, God called me here and this is my purpose. And I might feel overwhelmed at this moment, but at least I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm going. So I have peace of mind and then I can get up and I work from that place of peace. Now, like I said, I was a youth pastor for about four years, and the last church we were at was a church, a multi-site church, and um, I was at the Faribault campus down in Faribault, Minnesota, and I left that to start this church, and in the meantime, I worked at a coffee shop, Penny's Coffee, um, shout out Penny's. Um, um, so before I started there, I was interviewing for the job, and I... I was real nervous because, like, I had, I had a 401k, um, and I had benefits and salary, like money, you know, coming into my bank account, and that was awesome. So <laughs> I'm about to leave my full-time job, health insurance. We have a two-month-old baby, um, and so I'm interviewing for this job, and I told the guy, like, an absurd amount of time, just clarifying. Okay, but this is full time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, 40 hours. Like, I need four zero hours minimum in order for me to survive. I have a two-month-old. My wife doesn't have a job because she has a two-month-old. Um, <laughs> like, we four zero hours, correct? Over and over, that's all I asked. I didn't care what I had to do. I didn't care if I was cleaning the bathrooms for eight hours, as long as I got my hours, right? So um, it was hilarious. Like, I wasn't interested in the job. I just wanted work. <laughs> so I start my first week, and little did I know, behind the scenes, right before I started, no fault to them. I, I, I like where I still work there one day a week, so I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. It just kind of happened that they realized that... Um, they had to cut everyone's hours. So my first week ever, I had 24 hours. And so I, I like, I'm like, what? You know those really confusing moments where you're all full of faith and you're like, yes, God, I just did the greatest thing. You're going to honor my steps, quit my job to follow you. This is amazing. 24 hours. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And I look at our bank account. I'm like, holy crap. Um, next week, 22 hours. And I'm like, oh, no. And then the following week, it was 20 hours. And I'm like, this is, we're going down. <laughs> like, what did I, well, I made the wrong choice, I guess. Um, the next week, 12 hours. So I started to take action at that point, and I found random side jobs, um, I had a small stint where I put in my two weeks and I worked two days at a different coffee shop and it didn't go so well. So I went back part-time and did random uh, work. But it was only a couple months of that. And then I just felt God say to me, like I sensed so strongly, he said, pennies will work out. Like it's where you're supposed to be. Um, I felt it so strong and it was anti to everything that was happening. Um, and so we stayed there and it was like three days after he said that to me, 
I got full-time hours there. And then um, the opposite happened, where, <laughs> where I was getting too many hours because um, what happened at the same time was that everyone, like half of our staff quit, and then it got like triple as busy because coffee shop, it's really weird in the coffee world that in the winter, it's a lot slower than the summer. I don't know about you, but I want coffee in the winter. But everyone wants to be out and about and getting coffee in the summer. Maybe because it's negative 50 below, so no one wants to leave their house. Um, <laughs> so it gets super busy. Half of the people leave. And then I'm working like nine-hour shifts with not enough people on the floor at one time. And so we're just overwhelmed. Every but then I reminded myself, Whenever I started to get really stressed um, and, uh, and upset, I, I, was, I had so much more peace because I thought, well, all I have to do is get through the end of this shift, go home to my family in our house, which we can pay rent for, eat food, which we have money to make, change Maisie's diaper, which we can buy, and it was so much, I felt so much better. Like, you don't, you can't comprehend how much more stressful it was. It was insane how much more stressful the work was while I was at work. But my life felt so much more at peace. Why? Because it's better to be overworked than overworried. Because at least I knew I was going to get paid. I had, a, I had a paycheck coming in. And see, often... I think we lose our sense of hope in the midst of our work because we forget to remind ourselves that what God's done for us. And so we get overwhelmed with whatever we're facing. If you're on our church planting team, we're all overwhelmed right now. But I'm saying to us, this is right where God has us. And we can't forget the hope that we have. See, we, we need to live with the eternity in mind and remember that we get to spend eternity with Jesus forever and ever in perfect peace, in perfect harmony, so I can get through whatever I'm facing right now in this, in this situation. And I think often it's so quick for us to let go of our hope, and yet we try to follow Jesus without hope. But if Jesus is hope, then we're not following Jesus with Jesus the what we're doing, walking around aimlessly, calling ourselves a Christian. No, we need to come back to our hope and remind myself that I am saved, I am set free, I am called, I am loved, I am accepted, and my God is my God. And then we can live from that. Then we get less overwhelmed with what we're doing. It's better to be overworked than over-worried. It's all worked out in the end. If you're following Jesus, you know that no matter how my life plays out, after life, I'm good. So let's live from that perspective. Number two, your attitude reveals your motivation. Your attitude reveals your motivation. Where does that come from? It comes from the people who were hired first that are all upset that they didn't get more. On a surface level, it wasn't unfair because the dude gave him exactly what he said. I'm going to give you this. And then he says, are you envious of my generosity for giving other people 
the same amount for working less? Well, number one, they had it way harder. You might have worked harder, but they had a way worse day than you wondering if they were going to have food and money to survive. Your attitude reveals your motivation. You worked harder, but you had a job, so don't be mad when I bless someone else. I think a lot of times it's so easy for us to get upset with God when he blesses other people. And so that shows that I think we have a false motivation sometimes in following him. And so the question, a challenging question for us to ask ourselves this morning is, why do I follow Jesus? Your attitude reveals your motivation. Why do I follow Jesus if you do? Is it because of what he can give you? Is it because it makes you feel better? Are you following him for the reward? See, these guys were working. And from an earthly perspective, it's okay because they were working for money. I want to get paid for my work. That's fair, but... This is an illustration of the kingdom. And so working for the reward, I don't think, is, is the right perspective or the right motivation. We're just supposed to follow Jesus because, because we need him. Why do, why do I follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? Is it for the reward? Is it therapeutic for you? Or is it because you're a broken human being in need of healing? Is it because you're lost and you're going down and you need someone to save you? You need someone to help you? Is it because you feel like your life is a storm and you need an anchor to hold you fast through the storm and the chaos of life? Why do you follow Jesus? Is it because your life is so chaotic that you need some sort of peace and some sort of harmony? Is it because you feel this emptiness and this void in your soul and you finally found the thing that wakes up your soul and gives you life and gives you purpose? That's why I follow Jesus because I have nowhere else to turn to and I know that I know that I know that he loves me and that he accepts me and I can live from a place of acceptance and live from a place of fulfillment and live from a place of wholeness because I was broken and he fixed me. I don't follow Jesus for the reward. I follow Jesus because he healed me. Why do you follow Jesus? Your attitude, it reveals your motivation. And see, when we start following Jesus for the right reasons and we start continuing to follow him because he changed our lives, then it becomes easy to not care and be more excited when he blesses other people. Because I remember I'm blessed too. I'm broken too. I'm a mess too. Jesus healed me. Now he's healing someone else. And I celebrate that. I think a lot of times during, in our journey with Jesus when it gets long, when we follow him for a while, we forget about what he's done for us. And I was processing through this and I'm young. And so I'll admit I could be wrong, but I think I'm right, but I could be wrong. So we'll say that. And I think that following Jesus is, at least I always viewed it as a linear process. But I wonder if it's more cyclical. 
Everything, look at the pattern of God's creation. Earth, sun, the whole solar system, it's all cyclical. It, it cycles around each other, rotates around. Even the seasons that we see, fall, winter, spring, it's, it's, it's a cycle. Everything that God has created is cyclical, so why would our relationship with him be linear? So I wonder if we lose our hope and we lose our perspective and our motivation changes because we viewed our relationship with him and following him as a linear thing and it's not a cyclical thing where we remind ourselves of what he's done for us. When it's linear, it becomes dangerous because I get set free and I get healed and I, and I, and I encounter Jesus and then I forget about it in this process of religion instead of coming back to Jesus and reminding myself of what he's done for me over and over and over again. And it's almost like the more I remind myself of what he's done, the stronger I get. And it's like this cycle, and I, but I build up. See, it's not cyclical where we don't go anywhere, but I think there's a pattern and a cycle to it where we can get built up and then, and then we come around in this process and then we get built up and then maybe... I come back around again, and now I'm stronger than I was before. I might be still struggling with the same sin, but I'm struggling with it less because it's the process, see? And then I come back to Jesus, and then I remind myself of his grace and his goodness again, and then I still might be struggling, but, I, but I'm struggling less because I'm getting stronger. See, I think we get held in bondage when we view it as a linear thing because we think that I should be at this point of the process, but I'm still holding on to the sin that I was struggling with here. But I want to help someone and set you free and say, it's okay to continue to struggle. Just keep it coming back and laying it at the feet of Jesus and you will struggle less and you will struggle less and you'll become more like Jesus and less like yourself. We need to have a proper perspective of what following Jesus looks like. I think then we can keep that proper motivation and remind ourselves that this is why I follow Jesus. Because he set me free. Don't forget your freedom. And don't forget about grace. Because grace does not stop. attitude reveals your motivation. It does also when God blesses other people. Your attitude reveals your motivation. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes, like, I, I, I follow other church planters on Instagram, which is dangerous. I did it because I wanted to see what they were doing in Chiramon. But then their churches were growing a lot faster. And so I started to get upset, to be honest. And I shouldn't have. Um, and then God highlighted that to me, and he said, well, your motivation is wrong. Like, that's, why do you, well, you're in this context, there, it's different. Your motivation, like, what's your motivation? Your attitude towards something reveals your motivation. And so luckily, God highlighted it to me, and I, I surrendered it, and I reminded myself, well, my motivation is just to be obedient. But if we're not happy when God blesses someone else in the same area where, where we're running in, then it shows that we're not being truly obedient. Because if you're truly being obedient, then it doesn't matter if he blesses someone else because I think obedience is as much of a posture as it is steps and action. 
Obedience is as much about the posture of my heart in honoring God as much as what I'm doing. You can do the right thing at the right time for the wrong reasons, and it's disobedience. And you can know that by your attitude towards it, which shows your motivation. Attitude reveals motivation. Why do I follow Jesus? Am I being truly obedient? Now, those first two points were from the perspective of the people that got hired right away. Um, and so parallels with our lives to people who have been following Jesus for a decent chunk. I don't know what it is, whatever. Um, we're going to switch perspective, and we're going to do the last two points from the people who got hired at the very end because our community is beautiful here in that we have people who have been following Jesus for a really long time for a medium time and for a short time and people that haven't given their lives to him yet. Um, and so I want to speak to everyone. And this parable, it's awesome, it speaks to everyone. At its blank surface level, it shows that it doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for a long time, for a short time, or for a medium amount of time. We all reap the same reward. Isn't that beautiful? Now, my, my third point, from the perspective of the people who got hired last, it's this. There's no pre-approval process when it comes to the kingdom. There's no pre-approval process. It's a lot of Ps. I didn't realize that when I wrote it. I'm sorry. Uh, what qualified the people who got hired at the end of the day to work in a vineyard? Like, does it say, oh, he went out and he found the most experienced, whatever, I don't know what they're even called that work in a vineyard. We can make up a word. Um, I can't off the top of my head. Let me know. What, I don't know what they're called, but, but he didn't say, he didn't go and search for the people with the most experience. He didn't search for people that, um, had something to offer. He didn't search for the people who were unique and stood out and were the special, gifted, talented people, which we put on pedestals, which is sick and backwards. He didn't, he didn't search out anyone specific. What did he do? He went and found the people who were just standing there and said, hey, why are you standing there? And they said, because we don't. No one's hired us. <laughs> Look, there, there wasn't any process of pre-approval to serve, to work for him. He just went out and found the people that were standing there with nothing to do. They were available and said, hey, come. I got stuff for you to do. There's no process. There's no qualification. All we have to do is be available and God can use us. Can we please move into the 21st century of church and not think that the preacher is on a pedestal anymore? I'm not better than you. I am not a better, more qualified follower of Jesus than you. This is just my gift and my lane and what God called me to. That's the only difference. I'm not pre-qualified at all. I'm not special at all. 
I'm just obedient. I'm available. So my question is, are you making yourself available to be used by God? Because that's the only thing that qualifies you to be used by God. You do not have to be able to preach to change the world. All you have to do is go and love people well. You don't have to be a gifted communicator and be able to craft a message or be an awesome leader to be able to love people well. You just have to be filled with the Spirit of God and can lay down your life and say, God, use me however you will. Let's stop comparing ourselves to the preachers and let's just love people. It doesn't matter how good I can preach on a stage if I don't love people well off of this stage. Can we get past this bad, toxic, anti-Jesus, anti-gospel thinking? Listen, we are all qualified wherever you live, wherever you work. You're qualified in that lane to spread the gospel at the same capacity that I do from this stage. There's no talent that you need. There's nothing you're missing. There's no gift that God needs to bestow upon you. You're qualified right now. Are you available? Then you're qualified. Nothing qualified these people but standing there. In fact, they were probably the laziest ones because why weren't they out there at 9 a.m.? What were they doing? Probably hungover. (laughs) Where were they? Who know, they weren't even in position at the beginning of the day. They didn't have any tenacity, but God's grace. Look at, he covered anything that they did. He covered them not being in position. His grace. Right now, me and Katie are in the process of trying to buy a house, and it's the most frustrating thing ever. Good Lord. You think, okay, they have cars that drive themselves, but it's near impossible to buy a house. What are we doing? Anyway, sorry. This is therapeutic. I needed to say that. I needed to get that off my chest. It's getting harder and harder to buy and purchase a house. because, Well, we don't make a whole lot of money, but houses are getting more expensive, and I can't do anything about that. I feel helpless. So we're trying to buy a house, and we're in this just exhausting pre-approval process. So you can't buy a house. You have to jump through all these hoops and, like, sell your soul to get a house. I just want a house. That's it. We rent a house right now for the backstory, but we rent it with Maria, Katie's sister. She's engaged. She's moving out. We can't afford it anymore, so we need to buy. We need to get out of there. Um, so we're trying to buy this house, and it's all, all this stuff. The worst thing that keeps popping up in our way, and it's not my fault. It's our student loans. I can't help it that the school I went to was ungodly expensive. Um, so I got these student loans just crushing me. And that's really inhibiting us from being pre-approved for a house. Now we found a couple of hoops to jump through, and I think we're going to get there, but it's just been a process. It's been super frustrating, really annoying. And I'm okay. I'm going to be okay, so don't worry. 
thank God there's no pre-approval process with him. Doesn't matter what debt we have. Doesn't matter what baggage that we're carrying. Doesn't matter what our past mistakes were, what our regrets are, what our lives looked like last week, last year, last decade. It does not matter. There's no pre-approval process with him. All we have to do is just come to him and say, Jesus, this is my debt. This is all I have to give you is this bag of garbage. Will you take it? And he takes it away from us. He takes our debt away. He says, you're approved by me. Just at us, just asking, making ourselves available. We can live from that place of approval. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to trick the government. We just ask. And then we're approved. And so we get to live and serve and love from that place. So don't tell me that you're not talented enough. Don't tell me that you don't have a specific calling. Don't tell me that God hasn't given you a gift or had some special revelation on your life that's a bunch of garbage. Go out and love people, and that's the gospel. World's not going to change, I'm sorry, from a preacher. World's going to change when we all listen to the words of the preacher and go and love people well in our spheres, in our worlds, in our context. That will change the world. Band, you can go ahead and come back up. My final point is this. It's not too late. It's never too late. I love this. It was, the work day was from 6 to 6, and it's 5 p.m., and I picture all these guys waiting around wondering, like, are they going to get hired? Are they going to be able to pay for whatever they need to pay for? Food, probably. I don't think they had pampers back then. They probably had a washable thing. It's probably not diapers. But it's 5 p.m., and they're wondering, am I going to get paid? Is anyone going to hire me? Can this happen? And at the last hour, the guy comes in and brings him to his vineyard. Never too late. A few years ago, when, when Katie was working and I was working, so we had disposable income, um, we went on a vacation. And it was the best vacation ever because it was a cruise. Anybody been on a cruise? A couple people, maybe. Okay. Um, for me, cruise is perfect because I have this horrible trait where if we go on vacation somewhere, I need to see every inch of wherever we're at. So I can't sit still. Our honeymoon, Katie wanted to sit on the beach and I gave her like an hour a day. And I was like, all right, let's go, we're going. Like we gotta, we gotta go see like every spot and I wanna experience wherever I'm at. I paid money to get there, so I'm gonna see it. If I wanna sit, I'll stay at my house and sit on my couch, great. So cruise is perfect because you're trapped on this ship until it docks, 
And then they say, all right, you got however many, sometimes it's eight hours, sometimes it's four hours, sometimes it's 12 hours. Like, you got this many hours to go. You better be back here, otherwise you're gone. And so for me, it's perfect. Um, Because then I'm trapped on the boat, so it forces me to relax and sit, and uh, we get to just look out at the ocean. It's awesome. I'm not selling cruises here. I'm just... (laughs) If you want to sign up out in the inf- I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's yeah. Don't miss this final offer. No, but the interesting thing about the cruise that made me really stressed out because it ended up being the best, but the traveling to get there almost gave me an aneurysm and shut me down and took me out because <laughs> you can't be late. Like, if your flight is delayed, even if it's totally out of your control, you show up to the airport on time, your flight is delayed, you're going to miss the boat, and it's all over. Like, you can't, there's, if you don't make it, then, and they don't give you your money back, which is great. Um, so if you show up late, you miss, you miss the boat, and you're not going. Isn't it great that it's never too late for us to surrender to Jesus? Isn't it great that his grace is so big and his love is so great that I cannot miss the boat on this? No matter where I am, no matter how late it is, I can just make myself available to him and accept the message of his grace and it's made available to me at all times. That's what this parable shows us, that his love and his acceptance is always available to us. It's not too late. And so there might be some of us in here who don't follow Jesus, or maybe you have been following Jesus for a while and you kind of shied away and you need to get that cycle and come back to him. You say, like kind of re-up your dedication to him. It's never too late. You can come back or you can come, come to him for the first time. You have not missed your opportunity. You can get the same reward as all of us who have been working. That's grace, and, and we celebrate that. We're not envious. We love when more people are added to the kingdom. And so if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to encourage you, just slip up your hand. That's just saying, Jesus, this is me. I want to give my life to you. I want to come to you today. I accept you today. Awesome. You guys can go ahead and put your hands down. We'll just wait a few moments. Nobody's looking around. You just slip your hand up if you feel like, hey, it's just a sign between you and God saying, Jesus, I need you. We're not counting or doing anything weird. That's just a faith sign. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and and just pray over those who raise their hands. Lord Jesus, we just lift these people up to you this morning. God, we thank you for them giving their lives to you or back to you. God, we thank you for your grace that it's never too late for us to come to you. 
It's never too late for us to accept the gift of your love. Lord, we just want to serve you and love you and live from a place of acceptance. In your name, amen. Amen.